Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people, and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of KLM. Everybody, uh, for those that don't know me, I'm Minister David. Um, happy to be here this morning. Courtney took me back to when I was a kid, back in Henderson, North Carolina this morning, <laughs> with the old... The old songs from back in the day. Uh, that was fun. <laughs> so um, today we're going to continue our series on holy habits of fire that PD has so affectionately named it. Um, some people call it the habits of grace, spiritual disciplines. Um, I like holy habits of fire. That sounds sounds more intense. <laughs> um, so a couple weeks ago, PD talked about. Um, digesting the word, and if you watched his uh, sermon last week at the bridge, uh, which I did, it was awesome. He continued that a little bit, went a little bit more in depth. Um, Mom Jackie did prayer yet last week as well. Um, how many of you here were last week enjoyed it? I know Frank was here. Yeah, that was really good. Um, and so today I'm going to talk about service. Talking about service. So my title, I'm jump right into it is saved to serve. Let me pray, and then we're going to jump right into it. Father God, I thank you uh, for this opportunity to speak your word to your people. I pray none of me, but all of you, Father, I pray speak through me. Uh, use me as your vessel, as you see fit. As I speak on service today, Lord, I, I render my heart to you, God, um, in service to speak and do as you have called me to do. Um, Speak a word for your people. Father, I pray for everyone under the sound of my voice. I pray blessings, blessings over them and their household. Uh, I pray protect them from sickness and disease and uh, keep them healing in the midst of this pandemic. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So, um, like I said, I'm going to talk about service today. And uh, I think I have a suspicion that PD picked me for <laughs> a specific reason. <laughs> if you know me, I kind of do a lot of everything here. And so, uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's why you picked me for, to do this one. <laughs> but uh, we're going to talk about being saved to serve. So uh, I like to define terms. I'm an education major, and so I like to define terms. So we all know what we're talking about, and we all know we're all on the same page. So what is service? Uh, the basic definition is providing help to someone or multiple people in need. Um, it's also, it can also be a system that supplies or meets a public need, such as transportation, water, communications. Think of cell phone services, think of you know, water services, things like that. Um, we're going to more focus on the first definition, which is providing help to someone or multiple people in need. Um, and so the Holman Bible Dictionary defines it as work done for other people or for God and the worship of God. So part of service is worship, which we'll get into that as well. Um, so go with me first to, if you have your Bibles, go with me first to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. We'll look at verse 9 first. All right. And it says, actually, we'll start with verse 8. Therefore, do, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. 
So right off the bat, we see um, Paul is writing to Timothy and he's telling him, don't be ashamed of the testimony or the gospel. Um, and don't be ashamed of me. He was in prison at the time for suffering for the gospel. And he says, for God has called us, saved us and called us to a holy calling, um, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose, which is to do his work, um, which we'll get into that in a, sec in a second as well. So if we go to, we're going to go now to, um, did I put this in order? I did. Okay. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. chapter 2 verse 10 it says for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in him in him so again we see here we are created for good works in Christ Jesus uh, which God it says which God prepared forehand beforehand uh, another translation says before you were formed in the womb um, God had already prepared you for good works so by being saved being a Christian being a follower of Jesus, God has prepared you to do good works for service, right? Um, I heard one pastor say this. He said, the reason why you weren't raptured the minute you got saved is because God needed you here for a purpose to serve. Otherwise, there's no other purpose for you being here once you get saved, right? Um, so he's saying here... Um, he saved you for the purpose of good works. Before you were formed in a womb, he already had in mind for you to do good works and do service unto him. Um, okay, we're going to do one more scripture. Uh, Ephesians 4. Sustain Ephesians here. Ephesians 4, verse 1. And it says, I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. And so, again, we see here, um, Paul is saying, in the same letter, so this is a continued thought. We know that the chap there weren't chapters and verses, it was a letter, right? So this is just like you writing a letter to your friend. And so you're saying, he's saying to, Tim um, to the church of Ephesus, I'm urging you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling, the calling that we just talked about in chapter 2, a few paragraphs before. Um, which you have been called. So what have you been called to? You've been called to serve with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. So again, he's urging the church of Ephesus and us, consequently, thousands of years later, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling of service. And humility, which is a big one when it comes to service, and gentleness, and with patience. And so when you think about service, you think about 
most people, I, re I read a study when I was doing this, they did a survey and they said that 80%, I think it's about 80%, um, of people who don't serve in the church is because of selfishness. Um, and it said because they, you know, basically because of selfishness. I don't really have to define that, right? But basically they say, oh, I don't have enough time or I'm not, what am I getting out of it? Um, you know, I don't want to clean the bathroom. I don't want to get here early because why? I, I need the rest. I need this. And it's, it's all about me. Um, and so Paul is saying, with serve and walk in a manner worthy of the calling of service with all humility and gentleness. So with humility, it's not about you. Humility is never about you. It's about everyone else. God saved us. He saved us to serve not ourselves, but to serve others, to serve the body of Christ and also our brothers and sisters. So um, in doing service, you are serving others in humility. You're walking in humility. You, you're walking in gentleness and patience. And that is the calling that God has placed on all of us as believers to do. And so I got a, um, a story here we're going to look at. But God will change. So God will change his entire plan for a faithful servant. And so I'm going to show you I'm going to show you how that works out. So let's go to Acts chapter nine, Acts chapter nine. And there's this there's this woman that we're going to talk about. Her name was Tabitha or Dorcas, I believe is in the Greek. Um, and she was a faithful servant. And because of her faithful service, um, she changed the trajectory of a lot of things. <laughs> Um, so we're going to start with verse 36, chapter, Acts chapter 9, verse 36. And it says, now there, wasn't, now there was in Joppa a disciple. Now just before this, Peter, had, Peter was in a, a nearby town, um, and he had just healed a paralyzed man um, who had been paralyzed for eight years. And so he was in a nearby city, so in, in this context, he probably was like in Woodbridge, and we're in Perth Amboy, right? So it's, it's not unheard of that people would have heard of what he did and that he was nearby. So, uh, verse 36. Now, there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. She was full of good works and acts of charity. Um, another translation says she was always doing good things um, in service. In those days, she became ill and died. And when they had washed her, they laid her in the upper room. Since Lida was near, near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, please come to us without delay. So Peter rose and went with them. And when he arrived, they took him, into the, took him to the upper room. All the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics, um, other translations say clothing, and other garments that Dorcas made while she was with them. But Peter put them all outside and knelt down and prayed and turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up, and he gave her his hand and raised her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive, and it became known throughout all of Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And he stayed in Joppa for many days with Simon, with one Simon Tanner. So we see here, she was, the, the, the first part of the verse, the verse 36, it says, there was a disciple. So we know she was a di disciple. We know she was a believer. Right. Um, and uh, the, uh, the different commentaries and things like that say that she was she's the, actually the first female disciple mentioned in the New Testament. 
Um, so that's, that's significant, number one, right? Um, because she's already been immortalized um, in, in scripture just for being a, the first female disciple mentioned, right? But it wasn't because she was a disciple. It was because she was full of good works and acts of charity. Um, so just by her doing good works and acts of charity, she's been, she's, she will be known forever and eternity um, for just doing service. So then it says she got sick, she died, and they had heard that Peter was nearby. They had heard of what Peter did. And now my, my assumption is that a lot of these people probably weren't believers. Because it's, 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 um, because they distinctly uh, named her a disciple, then that means that probably it wasn't, like, it's not common. Like, today it's common, but back then it wasn't common. It was only a few, few years after Jesus had died. So there wasn't a lot of the believers. So my guess is that a lot of them, they might have been Jewish, but they probably weren't believers, um, Christians. But they had heard of what Peter did, and so they called they sent two men to Peter um, to, to bring him in, to, to have him come. Now, Peter was actually probably on his way somewhere else. But God led him to go to Joppa uh, to see Tabitha and raise her from the dead because of the good works that she was doing. Right? Um, and so when he walked in, he walks in and everyone's, Everyone's crowded around, and all the all the people are sad, and they're they're um, you know they're crying over her, and and they're showing him everything that she's done. And so uh, the people that know me, uh, the ones that know me pretty close, y'all know that I do a lot of, of uh, live streaming for funerals, right? Um, so I'm around this type this this scene a lot. So this this scene stuck out more to me now than it has ever before. <laughs> because um, I'm I see it uh, constantly. Like this past week, I I, did, I don't know. I think I was like six, seven funerals. So um, I see this all the time where fam friends and family and different people are, are coming to give their respects and to, to, to basically show what, what this person has done in their life. Um, and so the interesting thing to me is like, I see all different dynamics, right? So I see young people, I see old people, I see you know, uh, white, black, the Hispanic, everything. And the thing that I kind of always now, I, I, like I glean from it is like, what are people saying about this person? You know, we talk about like, what, what's your legacy, right? What are you gonna leave? What, what legacy are you gonna leave when you die? And so when people come in and they're, they're like, yeah, you know, um, you know, David, he was always, he was always doing something, right? He was always whatever whatever it is. He was always playing basketball. He was always working out. He was always serving, right? And so I think that's interesting that her legacy was that she was always serving. She was always doing good works. And so that is impactful because, like I said, it changed the trajectory of what Peter was doing. Peter probably wasn't going to go that way. He probably was going to go somewhere else. And because she was always doing good works and because of the amount of people that she impacted, God said, no, we got we to gotta shift some things here because it wasn't her time to go yet. She still got more work to do, right? And so he led Peter to come and because Peter came and, he, and, and, and God anointed him to raise her from the dead, it says that the whole town, many in the town believed, the word spread throughout all the town and many in the town believed in the Lord. And so you're talking about probably thousands, a lot of commentary says thousands of people 
were saved because she was just doing good works. She didn't do anything special, per se, right? She was just serving. She was doing what she had. She had a skill, for obviously, for, for tailoring and sewing and different things like that. And so she's making these garments for these, these widows who, if you know anything about Jewish culture, especially back in biblical times, to be a widow was like a death sentence. Unless you had a son that was old enough to work and provide for the family, or you found a redeemer like Ruth, um, that was pretty much a death sentence. You were destined to be poor and probably you know, broke and starving. Um, and so she was helping all these widows by making them clothing and providing things for them that they needed. And so you think about, she probably, was, she probably wasn't really being thanked that much for it either, right? Because it, it kind of became an afterthought. Like, oh, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta tear in your, 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 your robe, your tunic, oh, just take it to Dorcas. Just take it to Tabitha. She'll fix it. Or she'll give you another one, right? And you, didn't, you, you go, you get it, and you don't even, probably don't even say thank you. You're just like, oh, you know, and you go, and, you, and that's it. And so when she died, all these widows now are like, what are we going to do? We lost our resource, right? I'm sure they cared about her, but they cared more about they lost their resource, right? Because when they went and they said, when Peter showed up, he said, they're showing him what she did, what she gave them. They were, they were weeping over the clothes that she made for them. They weren't weeping over her body. They weren't saying, look, Peter, she's dead. They were saying, look what she did. Look, look, look what she gave us. We don't have any more. Can, we can't get any more from her. And so you got to, like, that we talk about legacy. And so that was her legacy was serving. And probably, like I said, it was thanklessly. And so... Um, I want to pose that to, you, to, to all of you as we continue through this, this message. But, like, what is your legacy going to be? What are people going to say when they show up to your funeral and say, she was always doing what? He was always doing. Were you always serving or were you serving yourself? Were you always, you know, out here trying to get the bag, hustling? Or were you out here trying to make sure that everybody else had what they needed? Were you serving a need in your church, right? When, when, you know, whether we're in this building or another one, when people come here for your, your service, your funeral, and they're eulogizing you, what is, what is your pastor going to say? Is your pastor going to say, I remember so-and-so used to be here every Sunday at, at 10 a.m. on time, faithfully. They, they were always at the greeting table. They were always at whatever it is, right? Um, I just did a, I did a funeral yesterday, and the guy, was he, was, he had just turned 90. Um, and his pastor said, I remember he was always there, sitting in that seat, supporting me. He was always there. When I first, he said, when I, he had just became the pastor a few years ago, he said, when I first became pastor, he sat me down and said, I've been here for 50 years, and so I need to talk to you to make sure that you're the right fit for taking over my church, right? And so he said, he wasn't indignant about it. He was like, I, I was grateful because he said, he, told, he said one of the things he told him was, you're going to have a lot of weight. You're going to go through a lot of storms in these next few years as a pastor. And he said, you got to endure. And so he said, 
He said, I was grateful for him because he was always there helping me to endure those storms. He said, whenever I was going through storms, I could look over and I knew he would be in that seat supporting me. And so I said all that to say, what is your pastor going to say? What are your friends and church members and brothers and sisters going to say when you leave? Are they going to say you served yourself or are they going to say you served others? All right. <laughs> I know that was a lot. Um, <laughs> that was heavy. So <laughs> continuing on, when you, if we continue down, right? So let, this is where I said, like, good works are something that is important. If we continue down, we jump down to chapter 10. It says, at Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort, probably one of Jacopo's family members. <laughs> he was a devout man who feared God with all his household. He gave alms generously to the people and prayed continually to God. So the thing I want to focus on here was that he gave generously. Some other translation says he he was, he was continuing in charity and good works um, to all the people. And he prayed continuing to God. And so God gave, uh, it says that about the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God come and say to him, Cornelius. And he stared at him in terror and said, what is it, Lord? And he said to him, your prayers and your alms. Notice that it says your prayers and your alms, not just your prayers but your alms or your charity or your giving have ascended as a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa. Remember, Peter was in Joppa. Bring one Simon who was called Peter. He is lodging with one Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. And so the angel spoke and departed. And then we'll jump down. I'm not going to read through all of it for the sake of time, but... We know the story is a pretty familiar story. The angel, Peter has a vision. He's, he's sitting in Ty, um, Simon's house. He has a vision on top of the roof. And, you know, the Lord tells him, basically, in the vision, go preach to the Gentiles. And then right immediately when he wakes up, the two men that um, Cornelius has sent are at the house. And they're saying, come with us. And so, um, so I'll jump past that part. And then you jump down to 34. Verse 34, uh, actually a little bit before 34. Let's go um, verse 30. And it says, And Cornelius said, Four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms, again, your giving, your charity, your service, have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who was called Peter. He's lodging in the house. Assignment, a tanner by the sea. So I sent for you at once. He's talking to Peter. And you have been kind enough to come. Now, therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. So Peter opened his mouth and said, truly, I understand that God shows no partiality. Now, before this, Peter was, um, I believe it's in, I forgot what, what um, book it's in. But um, there was a point where Peter was, only focused on the Jews. He was only preaching to Jews and he didn't really concern himself with Gentiles. And so because he had he had a misunderstanding of of salvation and how it was supposed to work and he thought that it was only for the Jews and not for the Gentiles. But now he's he's understanding through this vision and through Cornelius that the the gospel is for everyone. 
right? And he's, that God shows no partiality to nation or people or color or creed or race or anything like that. But it's for everyone. And so he's saying, now I truly understand that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves know that, know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee. So he's going through basically the gospel, right? He's talking about Jesus and, and um, Jesus coming and, and dying and resurrecting and everything like that. And so he, if we jump down, it says, he, he preaches the God, he basically, he preaches the gospel to him. We jump down and it says, verse 44, while Peter was still saying these things, so he's still preaching to them, he's still preaching the gospel to him. The Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word and the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed. So these are other Jews um, who are now Christians, Messianic Jews, we would call them today, um, were amazed because of the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, can anyone withhold water? So he, he commands them to baptize him. And so because of Cornelius' faithfulness, his faithfulness and service, God says, the, the angel said that he was remembered, his, his, his faithfulness, his prayers, not only just his prayers, but also his service was remembered before God. And so God said, I'm going to use you to change the trajectory, again, I'm changing, his service was what changed the trajectory of an entire city, um, in this case, an entire people, right? Because this is where Peter realizes that salvation is for the Gentiles as much as it is for the Jews. And so, he, by Cornelius being faithful in service, he changed the trajectory of the gospel, right? Um, and so... Um, Peter then goes back and reports this. So, a couple um, points here. So, we talked about this a little bit. So, but you want to be known for service, right? You want to be like, you want to be like Tapitha or Dorcas, um, who's eternally known for good deeds. If you go to per, for, go with me to First Peter, First um, Peter chapter two. First Peter chapter two. <laughs> Note to self, don't bring a new Bible to preach. <laughs> Cause the pages stick together. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> first, Peter, first Peter chapter two. And we're gonna look at um, Verse 12, and it says, actually, we start with verse 11. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your, they may see your good deeds, service, and glorify God on the day of on the day of visitation. And so again, here is saying, um, Peter's saying, walk in a manner that's upright, honorable, so and and so that when people see your good deeds, they see your service, 
they see you walk, they see you walking in a way that's sacrificial, if you will. Um, like Romans 12 says, present your body as a living sacrifice, right? So if you're walking in a, in a way where you don't regard yourself more than others, right? We talk about selfishness. So you're walking in a way that when people see your good deeds, when they see how you behave, then they see, again, when you're that, when you're Dorcas, when you're um, Cornelius, and people see that you're always doing good things, it says that they will glorify God on the day of, of visitation. Or uh, I think another translation says salvation. Um, and so, again, it, it's, it's walking in a way where it's not about you. Service is not about you. Service is about serving God first and then others, um, consequently, uh, as a result of that. Um, when you get you get married, if you're not married, you get married. Or even if you are married, some people don't do this when they are married. Um, you're called to serve your spouse. You're called, you're called to serve your children, right? Um, that doesn't mean you do everything that they tell you to do, especially kids. But uh, you're called to serve them. You're called to walk in a way that's a servant lifestyle. You're, uh, they call it a servant leader, right? Jesus was a servant. Um, he said in Matthew chapter 5, uh, Matthew chapter, yeah, Matthew chapter 5, he talked about do good, serve. I didn't come to serve. He said, Jesus said, I didn't come to serve, but to be served, but to serve. I don't know why I keep messing that up. <laughs> um, but so he came to serve, right? He's the God of all creation, and he came to serve us, right? He took off, he put on flesh, he took off his, his heavenly garments, as people like to say, and he put on flesh, and he became a man, and he dealt with sick, and he dealt with sin, and he dealt with, not that he sinned, but he had to deal with temptation, and he had to deal with um, the pains of this body. Of course he felt pain. Of course, we know he cried, right? We know he felt sadness. We know he felt all the emotions that we feel. And so, as a servant, he, I mean, as, as God, he could have just said, I'm not doing that, right? What's in it for me? <laughs> nothing in it for me. I can create new people if I want. Just start all over again. Wipe the world out and start over. Um, but because of his love and also his heart of service, he decided, I'm going to endure this for 33 years, this life, and to serve my people, my children, um, my brothers and sisters, so that they can experience salvation and, and, and experience right fellowship with me and experience all the things that come along with salvation. And so, again, we're saved, right? We, we, we trust in Jesus as our Savior to serve. We have to be just like him. So um, if you go to Matthew chapter 20, I feel like PD up here with all these scriptures. <laughs> all over the Bible. We gonna, if you ain't been doing your Bible reading plan, this is a good way to catch up. <laughs> Matthew chapter 20, verse uh, 26. Um, Jesus, uh, it says, it shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, 
and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so Jesus is saying, don't be, if the verse before that, he's talking about the Gentiles. And he says, the Gentiles, um, the Gentile rulers, they lord it over the people. They say, you know, I'm king, I'm this, I'm that, I am whatever, right? Um, so the Gentiles in, in our context today would be people who aren't saved, people who aren't Christian. They lord it over other believer, other people, right? They, they, everything is about self-promotion these days. Everything is about me, 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 I, I, I. And I'm the best. I do this. I do that. Um, you know, when you beat some, pe when you meet people, what's the first thing you usually ask them? Is like, what do you do? It's not really who are you, but it's like, what do you do? <laughs> right? And people, depending on where you at, right, and your status, you either make stuff up, <laughs> right? Like, oh yeah, I'm a, I'm the senior content strategist, marketing guru of the, or like, you know. <laughs> Right? Because you always want to make yourself feel higher, right? You always, it's, there's that temptation anyway, right? Like, it's just like, no, I just, you know, I work at this job. It, it pays the bills. It doesn't really matter what I do, right? But people are like, yeah, I'm the head HR, this, this, and like, just say I'm an HR person, right? Um, but it's like, no, I'm the HR head, senior analyst of marketing. I don't know. Um, so, but I said that to say, like, that's what the Gentiles do, right? That's what Jesus is saying. Like, it hasn't changed. In 2,000 years, it hasn't changed. People still do this today. And so Jesus is saying, no, that should not be so among you. That should not, like, uh, PD knows this more, probably more than anybody, but I'm, I'm big on, like, not having titles. I know they're important, but I'm always like, ah, the title doesn't matter, right? Like, I fought for a long time to not be the media manager. <laughs> because I was just like, nah, I don't care about the title. Um, I for a long time I was I didn't call myself minister either. Um, but and they are important because they do they do define some things right and they do set up certain structures. But that's kind of what Jesus is saying here is like the title matters, but it doesn't matter to the extent that you think it does. Right. The, what's more important is what you're actually doing. Um, and so he's saying. What you, if, you're, if, if you're the senior head so-and-so, whatever, how are you serving the people? You should be the least of these. Um, you want to be, you should be, the, you should be the, your people's slave, right? Um, you should be your people's servant. Servant, slave, they're interchangeable in, 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 in this context. Um, and he's saying, if you were, whoever will be first among you must be your slave, right? And so... If you want to be the senior X, Y, and Z, you want to be the CEO, you want to be whatever, that's great. And you should aspire to that. But what is your motive when you get there? How are you going to serve the people that are, quote unquote, below you? Right. Um, I saw a, uh, this, 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 I wish I would have put it up, but there was an illustration. And it was like, um, it, it, had, it said, one of them was like, one of them was a, a it said leader and the other one was boss or something like that, right? And it was like, one of them was, the, the leader was with the people and they were pushing this, this uh, I can't remember what it was, a boulder or something like that. The other one was boss standing back and he's just shouting at everybody and he's standing on the thing that they're supposed to be pushing. And so, <laughs> and so it's like, are you a leader by serving with your people, or are you a boss? 
right? Because today's culture is about being a boss. It's not about being a leader. Nobody really wants to, nobody really wants to be a leader today, right? Uh, most people just want to be a boss. They want to sit back and let everybody else do the work. But a real leader, a real servant, a real, um, like Jesus is saying, a real leader serves with the people, right? He's their slave or she's their slave. Um, and not in the context that we know of the trans, you know, transatlantic slave trade, um, but they're slave in the sense that they are looking to please the master who's God um, and serve in a way that is pleasing to God, right? Because even, even, even in the translating slave trade and here in America, African slaves, chattel slavery, there were slaves were always looking to please the master, not because they wanted to, but because they feared punishment, right? And so even in that, as a slave, you want to please your master, right? Because you, you fear the punishment. But there is a type of slavery um, in biblical times where you were so grateful for what the master did for you that you intentionally became a slave, right? So they called it a bond servant. And so what would happen is, I'll give you a little history. What would happen is you would say you get into a lot of debt, can't pay it, you lose your job or whatever. You lose your, well, back then they probably didn't have traditional jobs, but you would lose your, whatever your trade was, um, for whatever reason, you couldn't pay off your debt. And so they wouldn't do payment plans like they do today, and they didn't have, you know, um, debt collectors and things like that. Well, they had debt collectors, but they were a lot different. And so they would put you in jail, and you had to stay in jail until your family or someone can pay off your debt. And so what, sometimes what would happen is that people who were more wealthy would go and they would pay off a person's debt and they would put out a bond, right? So like we talk about now, like a bond bill, a bill bondsman goes out, they put in a bond for, for a person that's in jail and then you get out of jail. But now you're indebted to that bail bondsman, right? For however much your, your bail was. Um, and so it was the same idea. They would go and they would bail you out for whatever your debt was. And they would say, you're now enslaved to me for the next seven years. For, it didn't matter your debt. It was seven years because that's what the, the law said, right? Because after the seventh year was the year of Jubilee and every, all debts were, were wiped clean. And so, so no matter whatever your debt was, it could be a little bit or a lot, you were enslaved to this person for seven years. And so... But what happened was after seven years, some people's debt was so dramatic that they would say, I don't want, I know I'm free. I know I can go and do whatever I want, but I don't want to go. You've been so good to me. You, you, got, you saved my life. You saved me. You saved me out of jail. I would have never paid this off. I would have been in jail for the rest of my life. And so I'm indebted to you for the rest of my life. I'm indebted to you for the rest of my life because you saved my life. And so I'm, in, I'm willingly, be, I want to become your slave. I want to become, I want to be a bond servant unto you. So when you read in New Testament, when Paul says, Paul, a bond servant of Jesus Christ, he's talking about, I willingly became enslaved to Jesus Christ for the debt that he paid for me. Right? And so, um, this is, that's the type of slave that I'm talking about. <laughs> I said all that to say, that's the type of slave that I'm talking about. A slave that is indebted to their master because they had such a good master, right? 
we only know we only know in our context the, the bad ones, right? But there were good masters even back then that took really good care of their slaves. Um, and so, um, yeah, so what I'm saying is like we're enslaved. Jesus is saying you become their slave. You become indebted to your people as if you want to be a leader, become indebted, become a slave, become that slave who needed, who was so in gratitude for where they are that they became that person's slave. So if you become the CEO, be thankful for your people because at one point, they, I'm sure at some point they helped you get there, Amen. right? And so you should have that same type of gratitude, that same type of um, mentality. Thank you, much. <laughs> so, um, so there's the um, one one more quick story, and then I got one more point, and then we're getting out of here. But uh, talking about slavery, so I was a few years ago. This was probably uh, 2017 or 16. I can't remember. Um, I was listening to this podcast and I learned about this family that um, they were they were African American slaves, and they stayed. They basically, after you know, they were freed and everything. They stayed with the master to the point that the family they had they took on this like most slaves that they took on the last name of the of the the slave the master's family, but they stayed on the plantation willingly. And to the point where now, like, they they have family reunions together, and um, like the the whole family, yeah, like everybody just gets together. The, the family's all together. They're all like just you know blended, and it's just like a, a good thing. And so they were talking about how it's the, going back to the same analogy, but they were talking about how this family, when because the 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 grandmother is still alive, she's like I think she was like ninety something at the time. Um, she was telling the story of like when her when they freed them, and they were like, "We don't want to go. You've been so like you've been so good to us. We don't want to go, and we love you guys, and like you're like family to us." And so they they tr really became family. Like the 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 slave master, um, he gave them a plot of land and helped them get it like work, and and they did you know all these different things. And so to this day. They still have family reunions where they come back and they talk about, they keep the family history going. And they're like, yeah, that was, you know, and uh, the, the grandmother, she was like, yeah, you know, um, she was talking about the, the one of the daughters or something, and she's like, yeah, that was, my, that was my master. And people were looking at her like, what? <laughs> like, you know, and then she's like, yeah, I just love, you know, she was talking affectionately about her, but she's like, yeah, she used to be my master. And it was just like, it was so unheard of but it's like when you have a good master, you don't mind being a slave, <laughs> right? And I know that's not that's unpopular, especially for me standing up here being this color and everything. But when you have a good master, you don't mind being a slave, right? Because you're, they're provide like you're you're being provided for. You're being you you got everything you need and more, and you still have your freedom. Yes. A real master is going to give you your freedom. Right, Jesus is given. Jesus is our master. God is our master, but we still have our freedom. Right. So, 
All right, so I said that to say, um, <laughs> so my next point, every member of the body has a purpose and a responsibility to serve. Um, this is a popular verse. Everybody knows this verse. 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12. Verse 27. I believe it. Yeah, verse 27. And it says, Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administering, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you still a more excellent way. Now, interesting about this, right? He goes through, like Paul goes through, he names the gifts, right? And so he says, um, apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, gifts of healing, helping or uh, in administrating in various kinds of tongues. And then he goes behind that. He says, are all, are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Are all, do all work miracles? No. Do all possess gifts of healing? No. Do all speak in tongues? No. Do all interpret? No. What's the one thing he didn't name? Helping and administrating. And then he says, desire the higher gifts. So what's the higher gifts? Helping and administrating. Because he named all the other ones already. So he's saying, desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a more ex and I will still show you a more excellent way. And so, can you do all these things? Sure, but not all the time, right? Uh, some people, I mean, if you're not everybody's an apostle, not everybody's a prophet, and even the prophets don't prophesy all the time, right? Um, not everybody's a teacher. Everybody's not called to that. <laughs> My wife is a teacher. I'm telling you, everybody's not called to that. Um, <laughs> I see the drama that she goes through. Um, then, you know, gifts of healing. Not, a, not everybody has that gift. And even when they do, they don't operate in it all the time. But everyone can help and administer all the time. Right? Everyone can walk in that gift. And Paul is saying, this is the higher gift. Right? This is the most excellent way. This is the best gift. Of all the gifts, this is the best gift. Um, you know, people say all the time, like, it's better to give than receive. And I, I believe, I, I shouldn't even say believe, I know that to be true. Because when I've gotten things, you think about Christmas or uh, your birthday or whatever, you get things and you're excited, you're like, yo, yeah, this is dope, I'm wanting this. But when you give something, this is just a completely different feeling. It's totally different. Like, I, I got this Bible um, recently at a sale. <laughs> it, was, it was like a really expensive Bible, but it was on sale. Uh, so don't judge me. <laughs> and like, I was excited to get it. Like, I, I've been wanting it for a while. I've been looking at it for a while, but I was like, ah, it's too much money. It's too expensive, whatever. And like, I was excited when I got it. But I was more excited when I bought my wife a Bible 
and gave her her Bible and, and got and, and so her reaction is so like I promise you like this is probably the second time I've opened this Bible. <laughs> but like uh, when I gave her her Bible, like I was like, look, I got you this Bible, I got your name on it. Like I was so excited. But like when mine came, I was like, I opened the box, I was like, oh, this is nice. And I took a picture, I sent it to the PD, like, yo, check it out. And then like I think I put it back in the box and it just kind of sat on the side of the thing. So like all that excitement, all that joy, you know, all that anticipation, like I was tracking it online and everything. And I got it and I was like, oh yeah, it's cool. This is cool, this is nice, but it's really not that much different from all my other Bibles. Um, but when I got hers, it was like, yo, this is this is the Bible, right? Like, <laughs> this is the Bible. So it's it's that same idea, just like something about giving and something about serving. And it does something to your flesh too. Right? It does something to your flesh when you're like everything in your flesh is like, I don't feel like doing this. I don't want to be here at 8:30 in a freezing cold building, but I need to make sure that it's warm for when everybody else gets here, right? <laughs> you know, like I I like I'm gonna be totally transparent. This morning I got here and like uh, we had some some issues in the hallway. And I was like, mm. like, come on, man. Like, I was so mad. Like, I'm telling when I tell you, I was all in my flesh because I was so mad because I was like, I got to preach today. I don't need to be dealing with this. And I was just like, all right, but you know, we're going to take care of it. I'm going to do my best, the best that I can to make sure that everybody else is comfortable. Right? Because how can I get up here and talk about service and being a slave to Jesus and all these different things? And... I can't even take care of the issue in the hallway without complaining and, and everything. And so I was like, all right, you know what? I'm gonna just, I, I, like I had to change my mindset real quick, like just like that. And I was like, all right, I'm gonna just knock it out. And it, you know, it was fine. I'm sure you still, you know, had to deal with it. But <laughs> trust me when I tell you it's better than it was when I got here. <laughs> um, and so, there's this, this, there's something about when you're serving and like crucifying that flesh, right? Like, like Paul says, present your body a living sacrifice. And if you know what a sacrifice is, right, that you, you laid it on the altar and like they would slaughter the animal and lay it on the altar and then burn it up. So when you're saying present your body a living sacrifice, you're not saying just kill it. I'm talking about kill it. Lay it on the altar, give it to God, and burn it up. Right? So, <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so, when you're presenting your body, right? And you're presenting your body, you're presenting all that you have as a living sacrifice to God. He's saying, like, just give me all of it. Like, like I said, like, you got to crucify all of that. When you walk into here and you're like, it's about me. Today is about me because I'm preaching today. And so I shouldn't have to deal with this. Somebody else should have been here. It's burn it up. Kill it. Right? Because that's not God. That's not, that's not God and that's not service. That's not pleasing to God. Right? And again, going back to um, Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, so that's not, other people are not going to glorify God if they see that in you. Right? Because they're like, you're supposed to be, you're supposed to be a Christian. Right? <laughs> like, ain't you supposed to be saved? So, like, why are you 
Of all people, you should not be acting like this, right? There's this expectation to, to, to just being a Christian. Uh, the, the name Christian means little Christ, right? And so Jesus never complained. Jesus took on the role of a slave and washed the disciples' feet, right? He, the, the, the uh, foot washing at the time was the role of a slave. The, the, the host didn't even do it. The person that owned the home that you walked into didn't even do it. They had someone else that was, quote unquote, lower than them that would do it, right? So it's, it's the equivalent of you come into my house and I say, and I'll get my slave to come take your coat and come give you a drink and come serve you, right? And so Jesus being the, Jesus came and he gets down to that level and washed the disciples' feet and served them. Um, so that's, I probably got more, but I'm going to stop there. Um, so what I want to encourage you all to do is to get involved, to serve specifically here in the body in Caleb, um, Texas, 973, uh, 973, Jesus, I'm sorry. That's my, my other job. 732-324-2200, text, I want to serve. And we will get you involved. Um, there's a lot to be done here. Right? And so we can't be, um, even myself, I, I could do more. I'm sure I could do more. I know I can do more because there's a lot that needs to be done. And so get involved, help out, uh, serve. And I promise you, the, there's blessings in it. I know people say, like, like we talked about earlier, selfishness, well, then. There's blessings in it, right? Um, they might not necessarily be monetary or what you're looking for, but there is a blessing in serving. And God will reward you for your service. He rewarded Dorcas. He saved her life, literally. <laughs> he rewarded Cornelius. He literally saved, like, you know, and, and there's countless others in the Bible of people, of people who served and God rewarded them greatly for it, right? You think about the, um, the parable of the, ta the, the, the talents, right? The ones that put their talents to use. I love that it says talents. They put their talents to use. And the ones that put them to use, they got more, right? Um, and so put yourselves to work. <laughs> uh, Texas, 732-324-2200. And just say, I want to serve. And we will definitely find something for you to do. <laughs> That's all I got. I'm going to pray over you, and then I think PD wants to say something. Uh, Father God, I thank you for this word. I thank you for this message. I thank you for everyone in the sound of my voice, Lord. Bless them. Um, inspire them to serve. Inspire them to, to give into your body, Lord, um, to be a part of your body, to, be, um, to desire earnestly to serve you, to be your slave, God. Um, we don't always like the connotation of slave, but Lord, we are your slave. And so we want to be, we want to truly be your slaves. We want to, uh, as Angel said, we want to know about you um, just as much as we want to know about ourselves. And so, Father, we just thank you for this time. I pray for everyone in the sound of my voice. I pray protection over them, over their health, over their minds, over their bodies, over their households. I pray blessings over them. 
pour out your spirit upon them. Prosper them in every area of their lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. That concludes this week's message, and thank you very much for listening. For more information about Kingdom Living Ministries, please call us at 732-324-2200 or visit our website at kingdomlivingnj.org. Also, you can write to us by mail at P.O. Box 519, Rancocas, New Jersey, 08073. And lastly, if you would like to partner with this ministry through your prayers or financial support, contact us via email at partners at kingdomlivingnj.org. Our prayer is that this message has encouraged you to live out the kingdom of God daily in your life by your obedience to His Word. God bless you.